Gospel, according to St. John, the first chapter. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Nathanael said to Philip, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Every time that I have to make a purchase that involves dealing not just with a checkout person but with an actual salesman, I'm reminded again and again of how awful I would be at that job. If I had to go out and sell something, like sell a product, sell a service, uh, or do what some pastors do after their pastors sell insurance, I'd be terrible at it. Absolutely terrible. The modern market of when you buy things is full of a lot of inflation, and I'm not just talking about the cost. I'm talking about the inflation of ability, the inflation of reliability. Now, people sort of oversell what a thing can do. They oversell how good it's going to work and how long it's going to last. To sell a lot of things in this day and age, I feel like as a rule, you kind of have to be dishonest or at least able to cross some lines here and there. Not for everything, but for a lot of stuff. You have to be comfortable omitting facts or details that you know that might hurt your chances of making the sale. You also have to be able to exaggerate a little bit without breaking sweat. And even if you don't go crossing the line into outright dishonesty, well, all the same, I still don't think I would be terribly good at being a salesman, at least not for something that I myself didn't trust, like, and believe in as a product. And that brings us to Philip, the brand new disciple Philip today. He has a product, as it were, Jesus, to sell to his friend or acquaintance, Nathaniel. He says very clearly, We have found him, of whom Moses and all the law and prophets testify. Now that's a big, big truth claim for any Jew in that day and age to make, to come and say, we found the Messiah. The Messiah, of course, is the main event, the thing, the person, that all of the Old Testament scriptures we're preparing for, waiting for, looking for, and to say something like that, we found him, it's either going to be right or wrong. About a specific person saying that's the Messiah, that's a true false statement. There's none of this modern way of saying, well, he's the Messiah to me, but he doesn't have to be te- No, he's the Messiah or he's not. And more than that, on top of it just being true or not, there is the person's response, Right? He can accept it or reject it. Yeah, I believe it's the Messiah, or yeah, I don't believe, regardless of whether or not 
he is. Someone could take it or leave it. Well, John tells us that Nathaniel, after Philip makes the claim, John tells us that he's inclined to leave it. He says, in response to that claim about Jesus being the Messiah, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's what he says. It's a tough audience for that first sell straight out of the gate. A novice salesman probably would have had the wind knocked out of his sails and said, I don't, I don't think I'm cut out for this. I don't like this. First try, just throws it back in my face. This doesn't feel good. But not Philip. That's not his response. No, Nate, Nathaniel, <laughs> tries to parry it away right away, and Philip's response is to come back right at him. Not with a diatribe about Nazareth, like, well, have you ever visited Nazareth? Or said little things like that, trying to argue or bicker with him. He doesn't return his insult with some other insult about him. Well, what makes you so smart? And he doesn't go for the guilt route, being like, oh, you have offended me. <laughs> no, you better come, come now because you made me feel bad. He doesn't even go for the hard sell either. I love Philip's response. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. You want to be skeptical? Sure, fine. Be skeptical. You can be. But I don't think you will be after you meet him. A good salesman and one who also has a good product, an actually good product, I think is going to let that product sell itself. And probably all of us have been in both sides of that equation before. We've been selling something that we know is good and we're able to do it well, or we've been sold something that really is good, and the guy did a good job of selling it. A good salesman is going to know the virtues and the strengths of the thing that he's trying to move, and a good salesman is going to let those virtues and strengths speak for themselves. He's not going to take on a lot of fluff and extra stuff to distract because he doesn't need to. Okay? This illustration worked on Wednesday night, it is a beautiful one for this morning. Do you remember when they started putting heated seats in cars? Okay, I remember. It was great. <laughs> it took a few years for us to be able to have a car that had one, but now that we have it, it's like, it's like I, could, I could do without a rearview mirror, but not without heated seats, especially in the dates like today. So imagine you got to go buy a car today, and the salesman is trying to sell you one, and one that has heated seats. If he's smart, he's going to make sure that car is as cold as possible or maybe even start it up and have the seat going and, say, and stay, have you stand outside for a little bit, you know, stomping your feet. It's cold. He says, hey, hey, I know you're on the fence about this. How about you have a seat right here? And you get in the driver's seat and immediately your posterior is warm as a Hallmark movie. Okay? <laughs> that guy did what you're supposed to do with a good product, right? He sold it to you. You say, where do I sign? I don't care. Just take my money. If the thing is selling, that you're selling is really great, if it's really good, and you know, and you know how good it is, that's really all you need to know. And that's what Philip does with Jesus. He doesn't appeal to the crowd saying, well, you know, you should come, Nathaniel. Other people are too. Don't you want to be one of, one of the guys? No. He doesn't appeal to the felt needs of Nathaniel either, like saying, well, Jesus could really do this for you and it would be great. And he doesn't, 
relativize Jesus. Again, what we're so prone to do in our time and place, well, Jesus is meaningful to me, maybe he will be to you too. No. He essentially says, you come, you come and see for yourself and you decide if anything good can come out of Nazareth. As a Christian, and as a pastor, but just really as a Christian, I have always liked Philip's confidence, the simplicity that he has in his approach to selling Jesus to Nathaniel, to others. I'd like to think that he had that same confidence and same approach for the rest of his ministry. He is so convinced that this Jesus is the Messiah that right after he becomes a follower, he's going out and he's telling other people, you should become a follower too. And when he's met with skepticism, he doubles down and he just still goes for it. It would be pretty discrediting for him to have been wrong about that. Like I already said, this is the Messiah. Oh, it turns out not to be. Well, Philip doesn't know what he's talking about, so don't listen to him. You know, all he's doing is crying wolf when there's no wolf. It would be obvious. And Philip's credibility would have been sunk if Jesus was not the Messiah. But that does not stop him from going all in on it. Come and see for yourself, Jesus is the Christ. And that's the confidence today, the second Sunday after Epiphany, that I hope we can take away from the gospel lesson. I hope that each one of us, all of you and me, everybody at Calvary, can imitate Philip as we tell other people about our Savior. To skeptics that we know in our lives who think there's no such thing as miracles, there's no such thing as the resurrection of the dead, to them, I hope each of us can in turn say, come and see. Come and see the evidence that our Lord is no longer in the grave. To the skeptics who think that there's only weakness and meekness in being a sheep, following a good shepherd, I would say, Come and see the strength and the character of Christians that fill up this church who have a strong will and are anything but weak. To skeptics who think that there's no value in the forgiveness of sins, well, I'd say come and see. Come and see the peace and the joy of a people who know that their guilt has been covered and taken away by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb, and have no fear of death. Somebody can say to me and to you what they will about Jesus and his church, fine. I won't protest, but I will bid him to come and see. And I would do it with the confidence and the assurance of one who himself believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and also with this, the humble prayer that such an encounter would for that person, as it did with Nathaniel, convert and confirm him in the truth which has no end. Amen.